0: Hello and welcome to my podcast sponsored by Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com use promo code COFFEE2020 to receive a discount. It's worth it, folks. Today, I talk with Redskins receiver Kelvin Harmon. Does he feel like a forgotten man at the receiver position? What does he say about the other wideouts and quarterback Dwayne Haskins? What has he been working on in the offseason? What has the last few weeks been like for Kelvin Harmon? And then, Tailgate Ted returns. This time, we're talking Korean barbecue. Finally, I wrap it up with a few thoughts. Is Ryan Anderson really getting interest from around the league? Plus, the NFC East All-Decade team by ESPN. And then, a little Father's Day message. Don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. I currently have a story on Dwayne Haskins and his offseason, how he came to a certain realization and how that's helped him. Some good insight from people who know him into his approach. And now, here's my conversation with Redskins receiver, Kelvin Harmon. So, I just want to start off by, you know, finding out what have you, how has your offseason been? What kind of things have, have you been working on to improve your game?
3: Yeah, man, I think the biggest thing is probably just the chemistry with Dwayne, Stevie, and Terry. You know, we've been throwing together like three times a week for the past few weeks now. So just trying to be in sync since we're all young in the offense and it's helping us learn a lot better, learning together.
0: And you're talking about doing that down in Florida and stuff?
3: No, nah, just here in VA.
0: Okay, so you've been able to do that. Have you seen a growth for all you guys in that area?
3: Yeah, definitely. I feel like just as individuals, we all came in last year. We all went through the same struggle as far as not being as successful as a team. So we all kind of grew from that. And we're just building and knowing like what we're trying to do and have a better season than last year.
0: And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, because I, I wonder from your perspective, do you almost feel like, hey, what about me? Because, you know, there's there was talk about, well, they're going to get another receiver. They're looking at this guy. You started playing better at the end of the year, too. Did you feel almost a little bit over? Do you feel almost a little bit overlooked as we get into, you know, getting near training camp?
3: No, I mean, I don't really pay attention to that stuff. I feel like you guys, the media, make up that story or whatever it is. Or I just mainly just focus on what I have to do, and I know that when I'm at my best, I can put myself in a great position to be able to do whatever I'm asked to do.
0: What are some of the little things that you felt you got better at at the end of the year that you say, okay, now that I know this, I can be better doing this in the future?
3: Yeah, just the play speed. Obviously, coming from college to the pros, I just got adjusted to the play speed and just being more familiar with how the DBs line up and just just being more in tune with the little things.
0: What what are what are there some some little things that you worked on this
3: off season to help? Yeah, definitely my lateral quickness and just uh being able to be more explosive, my run at the catchability and getting in and out of my breaks. How did you work on that? What did you do? Definitely I hit the ladder. I tried to hit the ladder a lot throughout the week just to work on my footwork, like my foot placements and things like that and just that tuning down on the details for the most part. But a lot of speed work.
0: Do you feel do you feel quicker? Yeah, definitely. And what 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 do you and you know, also like in terms of route running and all that, what did you learn there and how can you how have you improved there in the time that we haven't been able to see you guys?
3: Right, like I said, just um just going on the ladder and that just simulating so when I run my routes, my foot placement, and being in the meeting room with Coach Hall, so He's very tuning on the details, just telling us like our specific breaks step, and which foot placements like very exact and precise. So just tuning down on that.
0: And in terms of your size, too, because one of the strengths you had last year, and what even just going back and watching some of your plays last year, the ability to use that size, whether as a, you know, some cuts and runs in the red zone and or just some some routes where maybe, you know, maybe um, the guys all over you, but you can still maintain that size. How can you? Become, can you use that even more as you get more experience? Can you use that advantage even more?
3: Yeah, definitely. Just learning how to control my body and watching a lot of film from last year, seeing things I could have done a lot better. And just, like I said, just acclimating to the NFL. So my size is definitely one of my biggest assets. And just yeah. using that and then building the chemistry with Dwayne. He sees the type of player I am. So he'd be more comfortable and giving me those trust throws.
0: And, and that's, and you almost, do you feel like you can build your game on those kind of throws is that, like, hey, He might be on me, but I can box him out a little bit here.
3: Yeah, I feel like that's my biggest ability, just being able to still make contested catches, whether the guy is on me or not.
0: Well, you know, it's funny. I was watching something with Adam Thielen, who said that any receiver in the NFL was probably a really good basketball player because you bring elements of that to the NFL. How good were you in that?
3: Man, I, I was definitely a pretty good basketball player as far as hustling and boxing out and rebounding. I wasn't probably the best shooter, but... As far as getting the ball, I was pretty good at that. So boxing out, that's
0: part of your game now, isn't it?
3: Right, exactly.
0: So how, how what elements do you feel that kind of transfer there? Is it just that? Is it knowing how to get position and maintain position? What has helped you?
3: Body positioning, having a great base, and obviously having the great ball skills as well. Once that ball in the air, I definitely have a knack for being able to go get it and come down with it one way or another.
0: What, what development have you seen in Dwayne?
3: Definitely his maturity level. You know, he's definitely. Uh, he was focused last year, but I feel like he's a different focus this year. He's coming in more comfortable and confident, knowing like it's his team. So he's definitely ready to take on for all the challenges that we're going to face as a young offense next year.
0: Well, this and what year. did you when you're working out with him? How did you see that new maturity level? Like what things was he doing, or you know that he was able to do maybe now because of that that maybe he wasn't able to do yet last year.
3: He's definitely just more comfortable within himself and with with us. He's like more focused and he is more vocal because we're all comfortable with each other and everybody knows he's going to be holding the ball this season. So everybody's definitely rallied behind him and he has all of our respect. And more vocal. That's a comfort level too. So like, is is it more, is it
0: what, how is he more vocal? Is it correcting routes? Is he telling you, Hey, on this, I want you to do this or
3: what is, how does that, what is that like? Yeah, we just definitely talking about each and every route, whether it's a great throw or we miss or it's like a bad catch by us. We're just talking like, hey, he's like, I expect to be over here. We're like, hey, we like it this way. So just like the little things so we can be on page each and every play.
0: And what about, like, he he had talked, too, about, like, you <clears throat> know, obviously you brought up Terry and, and, and Steven Sims. What changes have you seen in those guys? Because, again, like you said, you're all going through these changes together. You're all going to have some level of improvement.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think we're all just more comfortable. Like, we're not young rookies anymore who not sure how our game are going to translate to the league. So I see everybody just more comfortable and just more not like more poised, I'll say, just knowing, and, and knowing what we could do. How well do you feel like you know this
0: playbook? I mean, it's been a weird off season. How well do you know this playbook at this point?
3: Yeah, I feel like I have a pretty good grasp of it. The virtual meeting has definitely helped. So as the week go by and going on the training camp, I'll definitely study it a lot more.
0: Have you seen one of the things I heard about Dwayne was that he started studying a lot of Carolina's plays like back in January. Do you notice something with him because of that knowledge? Do you feel like he's further ahead in that than maybe you would? he would have been otherwise because of that?
3: Yeah, like I said, that's just go with maturity level. You know, his preparation, right. a lot more advanced compared to last year. So he's doing little things like that that's going to put him ahead of the eight ball.
0: And I know, like, and what changes have you seen? Any change in 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 Stephen Sims and anything that he's able to do out there?
3: Yeah, you know, he's a, have a great route running ability. I see him uh, just better a lot with his footwork and uh, just just better route runner. But he's always been a good route runner. But he's more better body control this year, so he's definitely gonna be dangerous.
0: And obviously, with all this stuff going on in society right now, I know on Twitter you were, you know. I know if is the right word, emotional, whatever. What's it been like for you the last couple of weeks?
3: Uh honestly, it's I haven't even been the last couple of weeks, kinda of been our whole lives going through well, yeah. this. But it's just, you know, it's just it's just how it is, and just trying to learn from it and just trying to be better adjusted with the right mindset and just trying to bring everybody together. And then I mainly just tweet just to just for the youth, the guys who look up to me, so they can see the right way to go about it. Sure. Absolutely. And like you said, it's been for you your whole life. The conversation
0: seems different now in terms of society. Do you notice a difference with that? Do you feel like that's going to make a difference?
3: Yeah, I definitely do. I feel like the progress people are making, a lot of people will be able to put their voices out there on Twitter. So I feel like that definitely awakes a lot of people's eyes. And with our platform, we're able to reach a lot of people in power who could make changes. Have you had different discussions with teammates, friends, anybody? Yeah, I feel like we always talk about these things and we just always just try to start within our locker room, within our community, within our household. And that's how we be able to just hit the bigger picture. Did, did were you able to go to any of those protests? Did you do anything like that or No, nah, I was just able to just talk to my teammates. It was when I seen the protests a lot of going on with like the bullets and things like that. So it'd probably be best if I just stay out of that at the moment until things calm down. Do you have hope? Hope as far as what? Hope, just that things will change for for the better. Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely optimistic about it. I feel like the more people are waking up and then obviously you can't generalize everybody. And I feel like everybody, like certain groups, one Ryan Apple doesn't spoil it for everybody. So I feel like as a whole, I've been around a lot of great people no matter what color they are. So that alone just brings me hope. Football alone teaches us that. You see a lot of people in the locker room, different colors different religion, different backgrounds, we can come together. So that alone gives me hope for society.
0: And you would, I think I remember right, you know, because you're, you're, your roots are from li- in Liberia and your I think your parents, that's where they're from. Have you seen different things because of that? I mean, you know, I think, if I remember right, you talked about your mom's accent and how that maybe was held against her too. I mean, what? how has that shaped you?
3: Yeah, it's definitely, you definitely go through a lot of things when you first come to this country, like I was so young and your English isn't as well as everybody else, so you definitely experience a lot of things. But all that just add to, you know, who I am today. And it's just like a lot of things you have to go through. I'm sure you went through different things. Everybody go through their different struggles. But it's just about per- persevering and moving through with that.
0: And how do you take that to the football field?
3: Never giving up and just uh, knowing that no matter what happens, no matter what people try to categorize me as, it doesn't matter. It's just what I have to do. and. I had to prove myself each and every day.
0: Last thing, Kelvin, and I appreciate you joining me. Um, what do you expect for yourself this year? What kind of mind going into camp, what are you expecting for for yourself?
3: Yeah, just trying to dominate each and every rep, get that starting role, and just be able to be a huge asset to the offense be a huge playmaker with a special team in our offense, just whatever I had to do for us to be able to put points on the board and move that chain.
0: Yeah, I, and I'm sorry, I apologize for saying the last thing, but along those lines, I always felt like you could be – they could have done a little bit more with you in the red zone toward the end of the year last year. Do you feel like you can be an even bigger threat down there? And are there some guys, because of your size, that you have looked at and said, well, I can do what this guy did down there because I have this?
3: Right. Yeah, definitely, though. But, you know, we got new coaches, and I feel like they study us very well. Um, Last season, I'm pretty sure I'm confident enough knowing they'll put us in a great position. And I just have to make the catch, whether it's in the red zone or on our own yard line. Kelvin,
0: I appreciate it, man. I hope you have a good rest of the off season. All
3: right, thank you, you, too. Thank you.
0: After this break, I'll be back with Tailgate Ted. It's time to learn about some Korean barbecue. I'll be honest, all this accomplished was to make me really hungry. A couple months ago, I stopped into a store for a sandwich but it was the smell of the coffee that knocked me over. That's when I fell in love with Lone Oak Coffee. I bought some of their Mexican blend and was happy for the rest of the week. Lone Oak is a small specialty based coffee roaster company in Winchester, Virginia. They finished ninth in the nation in the U.S. Coffee Roasting Championships in 2017. They have received many awards for their house blend at the world's largest coffee roasting competition. Here's what I love about Lone Oak. They dial in each coffee to fit its best profile bringing out the natural nuances, and highlighting interesting flavors. I'm drinking their Brazilian blend now with a mix of nutty and almond flavors. They have coffees from all over the world. I love their smooth Colombian with hints of cocoa and caramel apple. Go to LoneOakCoffee.com, L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com. And when you order, use the code COFFEE2020. That's COFFEE2020 you will receive a 5% discount with free shipping on any orders over $25. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Now I'm joined again by Tailgate Ted, had him on a few weeks ago, we talked brisket, had a really good time talking with it. And this is selfish on my end because I I like talking barbecue and grilling. And I also was looking for something different for Father's Day. And again, selfish reasons here. At last time, Ted, you were on, at Taco Man eighty seven asked me if I had ever tried Korean barbecue. Well, I've had some. My son loves it. He said, "You've got to make this. You've got to make it." I haven't made it. So, you know, you said you you know a lot about that. I want to bring you on to talk about that because it's different. So, let's get to it. What separates Korean barbecue from other different kinds of barbecue?
1: Oh man, John, there's a ton that separates Korean barbecue from kind of your traditional American barbecue. But first off, thanks for having me back. I really had a blast and I appreciate you having me on again, but your American barbecue, you're talking low and slow, larger cuts of meat. Korean barbecue is really thinner cuts of meat that just cook very fast, usually three to five minutes per side, depending on the cut you're talking. So it doesn't take a lot of time. The time is really done when you're marinating that meat. right? right? So American barbecue, you normally, use a lot of rubs and you're basting during the process. Korean barbecue, you take those thinner cuts of meat, whether you're talking kind of a bulgogi, which is a thinner cut sirloin that some people may be familiar with, or a kagbi, which is the Korean word for rib. They're beef short ribs. So the same short ribs you would see in a store, but they're cut across the bone, so they're very, very thin. And usually, you marinate those for at least four hours, but preferably overnight. okay. It gives you a chance to infuse all of that flavor into the meat. And then when you're cooking it, it just cooks so much
0: faster. With the marinade, what are the key what's the key to a good marinade? Do you have a marinade you like to use? I mean, is it is it as much is it sesame oil? is it you know soy, I assume. so what what makes a good marinade for? Let's start with the, with the beef ribs, because that may be what I do. If I can find them, that's what I'd like to do. There are definitely some good store-bought
1: marinades out there, because I wouldn't expect everybody to have the same ingredients in their pantry. But a good marinade is going to consist of your salty, so your soy sauce. Right. Your sugar, garlic, sesame oil, honey. And when I say sugar, I mean brown sugar. Correct. And some people like to use an Asian pear. Right. If you can't find that in the store, you can get a couple of Bosch pears. It's a very good substitute. And then you can also take a yellow onion and you puree all of that together and marinate the meat in that.
0: God, that's, that sounds good. So, excuse me while I wipe off the sale, you know, the, whatever salivating from my mouth for a second here. Um, you said store bought marinades too. What are, because I like to always go out and buy the ingredients, right? And I like to do that unless I know it's from a place that does really good stuff. It's a big, par- busy pig barbecue, and really good stuff. And I, you know, so I know some places. What's a good store bought marinade for this?
1: So normally when I'm looking to do Korean barbecue, I'll actually go to some of the Asian markets that you see. Because, yes. frankly, I like to buy my produce from there because I feel it's sometimes the freshest you can find. They have I, I, I agree with it. With yeah. And the cuts of meat that you're going to do are already thinly sliced. You don't have to ask your butcher to maybe cut this short rib up a different style. They have different ones there. It's going to be really to your preference. I am a spicy fan. But usually when you're talking beef, you don't want to overpower the beef. You'll add the spice in after the fact. Right. In regards to a brand, I really wish I could tell you what they were called. It's sometimes personal preference, but I also can't really pronounce what it says on there. But you'll see a picture of it on the label.
0: Well, and, you know, it's funny because like a lot of these ingredients, I do think I have I used to have an Asian food market where we lived in Centerville and that went under, but I felt like I loved going there because they had so many ingredients, so many different things you could cook with. There isn't, I have an international food market out near me now, and I think they have a lot. It's not, it's not, it's more multi-ethnic so that you can get a lot of stuff. So I do, you know, I like to get the ingredients myself because I just like to have a lot on hand and it, it kind of broadens what you can do at any point. Um, what about like too, like a, a dipping sauce afterwards, do you like to use, is that, you know, is that a big part for you with this?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, uh-huh. if you ever been to a Korean barbecue restaurant, you'll right. get what they call just banchan. It's a bunch of different sides right. that go along with it. And it's traditionally eaten with a lettuce wrap. Right. So you'll take the piece of lettuce and you'll put the, whether it's a short rib inside there, whatever cut kind of meat inside, and then you'll use a paste, that's called sumjung it's a soybean paste, traditionally, and it gives you some extra added flavor, some extra umami in there, but I like spicy, so I'll usually put some gochujang paste, and it's a kind of a Korean
0: hot sauce, for lack of a better comparison. Yeah, I think, I think my one son might rebel at that, <laughs> but, you know, I think what I'd like to do is have a couple different sauces as well, and I, I think... You know this summer because I don't know why because I don't I guess maybe we have more time because you're not going all over the place to to do different things I did um, a uh, a jerk chicken a few weeks ago based on the recommendation of my guy Mike Jones from USA Today Um, but you know that's where I found at the store you can find the tamarind paste that you it's impossible to find at a lot of different places but I do it's kind of fun to experiment with this too and just to do again different kind of flavors do you have, is there a, do you have one recipe or one dish that you prefer to make when you're doing a Korean barbecue? I like to do the traditional
1: short ribs just because it's okay. easier to sit on your grill. The thinly cut sirloin, kind of that bulgogi that people are familiar with, it's very tough to do on the grill unless you have some mesh grates because it can slow through. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And I like to make my own marinade because I usually have some of that stuff lying around and you can play with it. But I don't like it to be too sweet. In kind of American barbecue, you're a little worried about that caramelization and that char yeah. of those sugars. Yep. You actually want that on a Korean-style barbecue because it just adds some more flavor.
2: Just okay. keep in
1: mind you're cooking it pretty fast. So a nice marinated short rib, I'll usually do it overnight, so probably Friday night. Get it nice and ready for Saturday. And beauty is it doesn't take too long to cook it all.
0: How, like, if you're doing the short ribs, how many, like, a couple minutes per side, is that what you're doing? I'll try and get it
1: to close to room temperature, and usually about three to four minutes per side. If you're taking it right out the fridge and you're not letting it cool off, you're probably going to do it maybe
0: five to six minutes per side just because the meat hasn't come down to temp yet. Right. And you'd want, like, usually about 40 minutes, take the meat out and let it get to room temperature, right? Is that what you do? Yeah, it's
1: usually what I would do. And
0: I would yeah. normally take it out of the marinade. You don't
1: want to pat it dry because you still want to have that flavor on there and you get that caramelization. Yeah. So you're going to kind of miss out on that Myard effect. But regardless, it's still going to be great.
0: Again, I, I, think, I think I've added a few pounds just <laughs> in this conversation. But I'm really looking forward to doing this because this is what – you know, like I said, I mean, I wanted to do something different. Haven't done it. I know it's faster. I like the whole process of the smoking stuff, but it's just fun to do something different that's fast. But I like the process, the marinade part. To me, obviously, to you, is the key here. So I'm looking forward to that. So, Ted, you got anything, anything going on with on the side or anything like that that you want to let people know about? Uh, right now, really,
1: it's just kind of staying tight and quarantine. You know seeing a lot of people have been sending me recipes and pictures of things they've been making at home. And I'm trying to kind of recreate that on my website. So if you have anything out there or any good tips, you know, send me a tweet, shoot me a message. It's at tailgate Ted on all your social media. And I'd
0: love to see. It. Awesome. Ted, thanks for coming on. This was great. And like I said, I'm my, my family will thank you <laughs> after I'm hopefully able to find everything I need because it's been hard to find the meat that I want lately. But that's my goal this week. So thank you very much.
1: Oh, thank you, John. I'm looking forward to seeing those pictures.
0: All right. Hey, man, thanks a lot.
1: It's my pleasure, man.
0: After this break, I'll be back with a few thoughts, including how my dad shaped my passion for sports. A little memory from way, way back.
2: The John Keim Report is sponsored by Manscaped. You know, the reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen all of you in a few months. Don't ruin that first post-quarantine date. Would you show up to the first day of school without a haircut? Come on. Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. With the Lawnmower 3.0, the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Ceramic blades, skin-safe technology, no snags. Manscaped has forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0 Essentials Kit, which comes with a new and improved lawnmower 3.0, water-resistant cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you are done quarantining. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean. And you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code KIME, K-E-I-M, at manscaped.com. 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code KIME, K-E-I-M. Your first date will thank you.
0: Welcome back. Now, here are a few nuggets of information you need to know. Number one. The Athletic's Ben Standig wrote an article in which he discussed linebacker Ryan Anderson and his fit with the Redskins and, by extension, his future in Washington. Here's my take on Anderson. One, the Redskins, as of earlier this week, had received zero calls inquiring about teams trading for him. So while other teams might have interest in him, they have not yet expressed that interest to Washington. Now, that doesn't mean they wouldn't later. He's the kind of guy who would get traded in August if there's no role for him here it would also be a sign that they didn't likely they would likely have cut him and just wanted to get something for him i did have one coach who didn't think anyone would trade for one coach from another team who didn't think anyone would trade for him figuring he'd get cut and unless some or that figuring that they would just wait for teams would wait for him to get cut unless there's some really tough competition for his services there's really no need to deal assets if you think he's not going to be in a certain place i like anderson and his mindset and demeanor the redskins do too when they drafted him they weren't drafting a guy they felt would become a big playmaker. They liked as a, as a pass rusher. They liked his toughness and his play demeanor and felt he'd fit into the culture they wanted to build. You can look back now and say he was probably overdrafted, but I do think he has some talents and some skills and the mindset to still be, a, 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 could be a, good, a decent player. He's also a stronger leader than people realize. I was told of the Alabama group with Washington. It's Anderson whose voice carries the most weight, and he's especially tight with Reuben Foster. If they want to maximize Foster, having Anderson around helps. Of course, we still don't know what to expect yet from Foster. As for Anderson's position, I have consistently been told this, that he'll be an edge defender for them, but also play some Sam or, or the strong side linebacker in certain packages. He will not be moving to the middle at all, a question I've been asked a few times over the last couple of years. They always see him as an edge defender. I do think he has value on the roster. If, for example, he shows he can play end in a nickel package and be effective with regular snaps, then it gives the Redskins more options in the future. Ryan Kerrigan, for example, is in the last year of his contract, and there's zero guarantee he'll return in 2021. Once upon a time, it was a lock. In fact, owner Dan Snyder told him last fall that he'd be a Redskins for life. life. Now, Kerrigan must prove his worth to a new staff. That also is what Anderson must do. And for Anderson's side, of course, they probably like to be traded. He's entering a contract year, hasn't done a whole lot in his career to warrant any sort of a big deal from another team. He won't start in Washington and his snaps could be limited. That, of course, impacts future value. So while there's incentive on his side to want out, there is an incentive to trade him unless they reach the point where they feel he has no role here. That is definitely not the feeling right now. Next, The NFC East writers for ESPN's NFL Nation, including myself, had to put together an all-decade list as part of a bigger project for ESPN. It shows, really, to me, just how bad things were for the Redskins, that in a time where the NFC East wasn't as dominant as in the past, they could only land four players out of 25 spots and none on offense. Yes, Trent Williams was one of the NFL's best tackles in the past decade, but so was Jason Peters and Teron Smith, And they both made more all-pro teams. I can tell you from my colleagues, that was the difference there. It swayed them, and it's hard to disagree as good as Williams was. That was the deciding factor. Sadly, he was the only one who was really even up for debate on the list on offense. There were simply stronger options at every other spot. Defensively, the, the, the list of the team that we put together displayed a weakness in the division and perhaps explains why the NFC East, despite two Super Bowls in the decade, was not as good as it was back in the day. Ryan Kerrigan and D'Angelo Hall were both on the list. Kerrigan warranted inclusion. He had he's one of the top sack makers in the last decade. I think he's in the, he's in the top five total sacks for the decade. Hall did a nice job throughout the decade when he when he played at the last couple years. Injuries toss him out. There but there weren't many corners who played well for long stretches in the decade. And they might some had a bigger name came to the NFC East but didn't quite live up to that name for whatever reason. Hall made plays so he gets on. Technically, the other corner, Dominic Rogers-Cromartie, qualifies as a Redskin, but he clearly—that's a name only. Considering he really he missed almost the entire season last year for Washington. Safety Landon Collins made it as well. He, you know, he only spent one year with the Redskins so far. I like what he adds here, even if the cost was high. I think he has a good future here. Tress Way was named the punter, and I did push for that one because he continues to improve. He had a stronger average than Donnie Jones when both punted in the division. It was—it was definitely warranted. But this exercise helps explain what's gone on here. There were players here whose talent suggested they should be on the list. A Jordan Reed, for example, even Brandon Sheriff. Injuries limited them. It also speaks to the mishmash way this organization worked, where there wasn't always a thought as to how a guy maybe fit. So talent, maybe the talent didn't fit, or the or the he just was a bad fit in the locker room. So, you know, like Zach Brown or wasn't used right perhaps, like a Josh Norman, or used the way people thought he should be used. But I also put some of the onus on the players for not producing to certain levels as well. Overall, it speaks to why the Skins were only able to to make the playoffs twice and play at a certain level in the past decade, not able to overcome whatever issues ailed the organization. I do think they're in a better spot with the way the setup is now with Rivera, Ron Rivera's head coach, Kyle Smith, charged on the personnel side. I think there's some better symmetry than there has been in a long time. So we'll see where that goes next the Redskins will recognize Juneteenth which celebrates the effective end of slavery in the United States by giving the employees a day off Friday. Coach Ron Rivera sent a memo to everyone in the organization about looking for ways to make a difference. They've already done some town halls they're going to do more to discuss broader societal topics and to make sure voice all voices are heard. I can tell you after what he after what Rivera said last week about kneeling in the flag, I heard from some former employers, employees, who were frustrated because they said they said they had pushed Dan Snyder hard for some, or that there, there have been people in the organization pushing Dan Snyder hard for such changes for a while. But those that push was resisted. They didn't feel it was any sort of racist intent on Snyder's part. Just someone who makes moves when it becomes a stronger reflection of him. I think it was easier to make these moves now because you look at society and what's going on, and this is the time. If you're going to if you're not going to do it now, you never do it. I think in the past, it was harder maybe for him to see the need. I don't know. Can't get inside his head. But right now is the time to act on these social injustice initiatives. Rivera is a good person to organize any change. And I will say, those who know Dan Snyder well, wonder what will happen down the road if Rivera doesn't win. That power will be stripped away. But for now, it's the honeymoon phase. And if Rivera doesn't show legit progress in the first couple of years, there will be pressure applied. And you probably say there should be. And I also hear all of you who Tweeted about the team name. I feel there's some hypocrisy by the organization for doing these initiatives, but not addressing that. I'm not here to debate the name, if you, if, but, but don't fool yourself here. Rivera doesn't have the power to change that. Only one guy has that power, and that's the owner. There has been media pressure applied by some. It hasn't worked. Change would only happen if sponsors become, become heavily involved or if other owners really force the, force the act, period. Again, I'm not here to debate the name. That's but that's what I have to say on the topic. Now, for Father's Day, the greatest joys in my life come from being a husband and a father of three boys. As they grow older, being able to spend time with them becomes more and more important. One reason I liked writing for the Journal Newspapers and the Examiner back in the day was because of the flexibility I was afforded. I could work from home and be with the kids more. I could coach their teams, volunteer in their classrooms. What this pandemic has afforded our family is a chance to spend even more time with our kids, and while I joke about them on Twitter, we have a pretty tight family bond. I love being a dad. My dad helped develop my passion for sports, and football in particular. I started attending Browns games when I was around four years old, having grown up in the west side of Cleveland. I was able to sit on my dad's shoulders as we passed through the turnstile. We sat in the bleachers, so I didn't need a ticket because because it was bleacher seating. As long as I could squeeze in, it was okay. That... Didn't last a long time, but it was that true at that time. I also remember going out in the backyard and playing games by myself. I get a helmet on and shoulder pads. I'd have a uniform. I, of course, was the star in that game. Then I do. I would. I, I mimicked what I saw on TV. I'd go down to the basement where I'd have my dad interview me, holding a pretend mic about the quote-unquote game I just played. Then I'd go. I'd have. I had a little blue sheets of paper. I still remember the paper. I draw a picture of a play on a blue sheet of. On the blue sheet, scribble some words underneath, and I look back. It was my first time as a journalist. I loved playing the game, and I did so through high school. I loved being around the sport, and I felt blessed to be so for most of my career. But the best part, the best part for me, is knowing the relationship I have with my kids. It extends beyond sports, but sports have been a central part, especially for my older two boys. They're very big into it. My youngest, not as big into it. He's a dancer, but when in his when he's in his in events. That the mindset is the same as an athlete's and as a competitor. He has it, man. During this pandemic, we've we played more games. We've had extended talks after dinner about any topic, and especially what's happening in society today. I won't ignore that with them, and I don't think they'd want me to. We've had some good discussions about what's going on. But what's nice is, despite this bad time, we're not rushing from one thing to another these days, so it's given us more time as a family. Despite the turbulence and despite what all the stuff that's going on. Some of this time is uh, that we've created some memories that we're always going to treasure and we're trying to find a silver lining in it. That is it. So happy Father's Day to the dads out there. I hope you're able to create some great memories even during a brutal period. And if there's some people you miss in your life who as a father or as children, I hope you can lean on some memories to get you through this time. Well, that's it for this week. Don't forget to visit lonocoffee.com. Use promo code COFFEE2020 to receive your discount. Thank you very much to Redskins receiver Kelvin Harmon for joining me and to Tailgate Ted, who came on and talked some barbecue. As always, thank you for listening. It's been a long road, folks, and who knows where life is headed, but I appreciate you sticking with the show and in some small way. I hope this show has helped. Talk to you next time.